right, friends, family, friends who have become familia, you know what time it is. Time for your favorite soccer program of the week. Welcome to another episode of the Reformed Hooligans podcast presented to you by SSA. I am your host, Osahan, here with my guy, Brian. Brian, in honor of a great strike partnership that was formed this week, we're going to be from the Hammers, the West Ham Hammers, one of your favorite clubs to play with on FM, will be Mikel Antonio and Jesse Lingard. That's who we are today in a 4-4-2. Let's make it happen. How you doing today, guy? Oh, it's been a long week. I'm finally off for a couple of days, so I get to get to release my mock draft on SSA. So for the American football fans, we'll be talking NFL draft, and I'm sure the boys over at Cover Zero and I will be having that conversation in the couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. Um, so other than that, that's something to look forward to. But otherwise, you know, there was an interesting week. Um, good and bad. A lot of good and a lot of bad. So true. So, so true. And I mean, a 90-second red card 90 is where we have to start. A 90 Speaking second of 90 seconds into this podcast, by the way. Yeah. So like Perfect timing. We'll start with the 90-second red. It was it, just, just for preface sake. It wasn't, it was, I don't even want to say the word riveting, but it was a jam-packed week in the sport. There was, there was more than enough action and storylines for us to talk about. So we're going to do our best within the next, I don't know, 39, 40 minutes, starting with the 92nd red card. Man U, Southampton, Man U goes, comes into the match, third place, two games off, I'm not sorry, not two games, but three points off of the leader up top. Man City, this this Premier League race, I think is going to come down to the to the wire to the final match day, and I think it's going to be between the two Manchester teams. It'll be great to watch. But you might ask, what is a ninety second red card? Ninety seconds into the match, Southampton was a little shorthanded. They had three of their players get injured in the second half of their previous match, so they were starting a uh, kid from the reserves, Yana Yanovitz. Did I pronounce that right, Brian? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Kid gets a red card 90 seconds into the match. What results is Man U proceeds to put four goals on Southampton in the first half. Southampton would get a second red card in the second half, and Man U would score another five goals in the second half for a 9-0 beatdown. That was Man United's highest scoreline in club history uh, tying a 9-0 beatdown that they gave to Ipswich Town in the 90s. That's uh, brutal. Yeah, it, it it was it turned into a training session for Man U. That's really what it turned into. They were doing whatever they wanted. I mean, you is Southampton has Danny Ings tracking back to play defense and that actually was resulted in the first goal. Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka were basically playing ping pong from one side of the, the field to the other with their crosses. And the first goal was a Luke Shaw cross to the other side of the box. Aaron Wan-Bissaka beats out Danny Ings, who fails to track him, and he taps it in for his first goal of the second goal of the season. I'm sorry, second goal of the season. But I want to go back to Yankovic's red card. Now, you might hear the name and envision like I did a tall... Tall, white-skinned Polish kid. No, Yankovic is black. So, if you pay attention to the sport, even just a little bit, you know what that means. 
there is going to be some racist vitriol. Alex Yankovic, there's going to be some vitriol coming his way. And it did for Alexander Yankovic. I mean, I, I that. had that first thought. Yeah, I had that first thought when I saw that happen on the highlight because I caught it after the fact. And I'm like, oh, my God, that that's that's not good. I mean, I thought it was it was a definite red card, by the way. So I just want to play yeah, it that definitely. way. Like, the second red card, the second the red card I thought was whack. But that first one, it that was, was that was soft. Yeah. So at that point, like, OK, but after that, I go, oh, he's about to have a rough go the next couple of days. Yeah, I yeah. feel for the kid. I really do. Uh, normally plays for the reserves, like I mentioned, the U23s. And you could tell it's that moment. It's your first start with the senior team. You you have the nerves. You want to impress because you want to stay up. This is every kid's dream. And you get a red card 90 seconds in. That's a nightmare start. Yeah, another 12. Yeah, that's tough. And it's not like... Southampton doesn't have a bad team. We've talked about it before on this program. They're, they they, they the depth. easily be... The ultimate lack of depth. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, not replacing Corey Bjerg. With Wolves when it comes yeah. to lack of depth. It's it's almost worse for Southampton because when Corey mm-hmm. left, they never replaced him. At least when Wolves, they sold Jota. They had Pedro Neto already. And right. And the, the problem is, is just they miss Jota that much because Neto doesn't... Neto's more of a midfielder, and we've talked about that in the past. Like, Guys are a little bit different. Like some guys have different limitations. Obviously, Jota went to Liverpool and started scoring goals before he got hurt. So obviously, that change didn't affect him too much. Brian, we touching back on this situation with Alexander Yankovic. Prior to that, I think a week or two ago, uh, Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial experienced some racism on the heels of. What match was that? Not the Arsenal match. Well, they had the Liverpool FA match. Um, was it the Liverpool FA match? Oh, on the heels of the Sheffield Wednesday match. That's what it was. It was yeah, on the but I mean, the Sheffield match. It seems to be like a common theme, though, because uh, obviously Martial. in the championship, or even in the championship, there are clubs that have like quite a reputation. So like, yeah. even with the fans not there, yep. Social media kind of makes sure that the fans are always in the game, no matter what. Right. So, and that's really the biggest factor, I think, in this era than ever before. I mean, we can stream games from anywhere, so now you have more people watching. Mm -hmm. But when you have more people watching, you also have more people with more opinions. And it's very much so like the interface of what's going on with everything that goes on with communication. It's the way it's changing. It's the world. So a little bit of nerd talk, but at the end of the day, the players are affected by it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, some basketball events this week, if people are paying attention also, kind oh, of yeah. translate into that as well. Yeah. Look, so LeBron with, with that chick at courtside. Anthony Martial's girlfriend, fiance, uh, she posted on Instagram some of the death threats and threats that she got in her DMs from f- fans. I think that's the Sheffield loss, probably, right? Yeah, it was the Sheffield loss. They they lost that two one loss. Side note. The uh, the referees association basically came out and said that there were two major calls made during that game against United that were absolutely wrong. One was a uh, disallowed goal in the first half that would have tied the game. United didn't tie the game until I think the end of the first half. So of course that would have been a momentum shifter. And the second was an offsides call that was that was faulty. 
But that that notwithstanding, United was due for some sort of letdown. They lose to Sheffield Wednesday, the worst club in 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 the Premiership. They lose to United, <laughs> Sheffield United, typical United loss, right? They lose two one, and they had an opportunity to go first place in the league. Fans do what fans always do, unfortunately. So I ask you this question, Brian: Do you feel like, especially given the summer that we just came out of? Uh, not just in the States with race relations, but how that's spread across the world. And we see a particular Premier League leading the way with this no room for racism movement. Do you feel like the needle has moved in a positive direction when it comes to racism, particularly in, in Europe? Or do you think we're kind of stuck in the same boat? I think in some ways it's progressed. In some ways it hasn't. Um, we talked about uh, George Jews, um George Jesus's comments, I can't say it in the Portuguese accent, Gosh, um, but his comments were kind of disturbing to me yeah. because as yeah. someone that coached in Argentina, as someone that coached in Chile and Brazil, and then they come over to Portugal, he, a, he, he coached in Spain for a little while and then went back to Portugal and Brazil. For someone that's coached in five countries, that's really a despicable take for him to have. You know how everything is always the fault of us and not them. It's like... It, it's like making it an us versus them problem is exactly the problem. Like, it, it's it's really just a simple concept of like the interpretation of the words that they decide to use because that how someone else interprets that now that becomes a weapon for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's like Twitter. I mean, Twitter can ban anyone they want. Facebook can ban anyone they want. Those people are gonna find a way to get a platform. They always do. Everyone at this point now has access to a platform because of the way social media works. Like you said, Brian, in some ways we've moved forward. I feel like we we make strides forward and then... But Europe loves the Instagram racist comments, though. Yeah. I've noticed that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, for America, it's kind of like Twitter and Facebook and, you know, courtside. And for fans in the stands, it's like the 18th row... And like <laughs> Instagram, for some reason, I guess Instagram's the only app they use in Britain. So like, wonderful. Apparently, apparently, it's all they know. So one step forward, two steps back. But it's it's it is it does warm my heart to see the continued stand, no room for racism. To see when these things come out, these comments come out. To see players come to the defense of other players. To see uh, groups like No Room for Racism step out. Uh, against it so i think we're going to continue to make progress Uh, alexander yankovitz do yourself a favor kid if you are have any sort of social media which i imagine you do just stay off it for a while do please do it just do it do it side note for some positives though apart from the fact that man you beat the brakes off of southampton nine nil it was good to watch like i mentioned luke shaw he was playing great service all game Aaron Juan Basaka, I think this was his best all-around game all season, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. We've talked at at length about how great a defender he is, possibly the best right back, if not, uh, or one of the best right backs in the world. And people are like, oh, no, you know, this is not exaggeration. He really is. As evidenced by a, a goal-saving tackle he made on Danny Ings. This dude tracked down Danny Ings and came with a sliding tackle from behind. That is one of the most difficult defensive plays to make in the sport. A sliding the tackle. The second best behind. defensive play of the week, by the way. Yes. 
that that play I had to replay it several times. It was just beautiful. Brought it to yeah. my eye. Tyrone Mings had him be. Oh yes, great call, great call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Tyrone Mings saved. I mean, Aston Villa played like dog crap in that game, but yeah, that say that that was like a Cannavaro 2006 World Cup type of Ooh, save there because yeah, yeah. that was going to be the cheekiest goal Mikel Antonio scored in about five years. Absolutely, and I I was waiting for it. I thought that was going to be the one. Speaking of that match, Aston Villa, West Ham. West Ham debuted, like I said, at the top of this. Their brand new Loney, uh, Jesse Lingard. And speaking of Loney's, before we get into that match even. Actually, we don't even to go to that match. I'll just give you the, the, the brief highlights. West Ham comes through, wins 3-1. Jesse Lingard scores a brace in his first match with the team. They just outclassed Aston Villa. I, the, the beautiful part for me, I love defense. Defense wins championships. Aston Villa legitimately locked down. I'm sorry, not Aston Villa. West Ham had Aston Villa beat on both sides of the pitch, and they particularly did a great job of keeping that man, Jack Grealish, under wraps. Every time Jack, Jack Grealish tried to make a move down his favorite left side, he... he Found no room to operate or move. So shout out to West Ham. Great job in that match. But I want to dial in, though, on the big news of this week, the big moment of this week, and that was the close of the January transfer window. And if I had to characterize it by one thing, it would be loans. I felt like the January transfer window had more loans than a bank, okay? More loans than Chase Bank gives out. Brian, I know you and I took time this week to just look through all the moves made in this transfer window. What was the move that impressed you the most in this window? I was surprised Lingard chose to go to West Ham over some of the foreign options that were available. Um, but I'm glad that he chose West Ham, and especially for his sake. He scored quite a bit. Um, I mean, shocking ones to me. Millich going to Marseille is very disappointing, especially now that Village boss um, is fired or resigned or whatever the hell happened over there. Um, Kabak and Davies uh, were both last-day transfers for Liverpool. And, um, you know, obviously the, the loss to Burnley and whatever, you know, Liverpool's been sliding for a while, and they finally got nipped in the butt for it. So... Kabak is somebody that a lot of teams have been pretty much keeping tabs on for a while, including Liverpool. And I think for him personally, I think he's somebody now, one of the Sky Sports guys compared him to um, Sionku. He's not quite Sionku. Sionku's a little bit, he looks a little more slender and taller. I think Kabak is more like Ben Mee, if Ben Mee could run. So, yeah. Like, it, so Liverpool basically got like a good number three center back right now and a guy who could be a starting center back for a long time down the road like they should definitely be trying to make this permanent it, it was a good move for them especially on the heels of joel matty being done for the season they decided to not rush him back well they never replaced a law run either so that's true yeah so they, they if you've watched a liverpool match in the past month you can see that is the one area where they are lacking and they they have an especially glaring hole that that's that is a a hole a black hole basically 
not even a black hole because black holes actually swallow things up. That is a glaring gaping hole is that that central back position. It has been, it, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I would venture to say watching their matches over the past month, that is the space where the most errors have, errors leading to goals have taken place for Liverpool. Yeah, and a couple transfers throughout Europe. Uh, Nicola Ravella, Italian wonder kid, the football manager, people know who he is. He's going to Juventus, 18 million down the line. I think that's a straightaway deal too. Um, the, uh, Keprin Diata, who I think played in Club Bruges in Belgium. He's going to Monaco. So for people that watch the French League, there you go. Morgan Sanson from uh, Marseille to Aston Villa, which is quite, that transfer caused quite a bit of controversy it did. in France. It did. I'm happy for Jeffrey Conbia, a player who two years ago was probably the best player on Valencia's team and now uh, will be going to Atletico Madrid being the party replacement, apparently. Oh. Which is a good role for him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Junior Firpo apparently was linked to Arsenal. Oh, wow. And Barcelona said no. Wow. And also, Filip Stefanovic's deal from Serbia is final to Man City. Nice. So, Man City got a wonder kid, probably the best uh, wonder kid from the Balkans. He's legit. So, see what happened for him down the line. Nice. I'm just glad that, man, you finally got rid of Marcus Rojo. You don't understand how much joy that brings to my heart. Yeah, I mean, United are going to have to kind of replicate what Arsenal did this window in the summer. Yeah. They're going to have to not really, like, they don't have to, like, go above and beyond. I mean, obviously, they have some young players that are going to fill those roles. I think they just need to let those players gradually. I agree. I agree. A couple of... uh, Even if they can take small offers. A couple of loans... Slash transfer a couple of moves that I think people need to need to watch that that are that were I think low key and flew under the radar. One Josh King to Everton. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be a, a fun one to watch. What he does, Everton. It looks like they got their mojo back that they had at the start of the season. So that that attacking unit that they have that we have talked so much about on this program just added yeah. another piece. They added some more depth. He didn't look too good in the championship, but I wonder no. if he just like didn't really care. I don't think he cared. That he he mm. should have been gone in that fire sale that Bournemouth had at the end of uh, last season after they got relegated. But but I can understand Bournemouth's position though because yeah. I mean look at what they got offered for Wilson. They True. got pretty much top dollar for Wilson considering all the injuries he's had. True. They got literally top dollar for Aki. Yeah. Oh. I mean they couldn't yes. have asked for a better deal for him. I feel like they got they did well on Ramsdale. Yeah. They, All things considered, because Ramsdale's going to be on another relegated squad, mm-hmm. so they did pretty well on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the other kid they sold? Uh, they should, if they sold King in the summer, they could have probably gotten 16 to 20 million. Yep. Realistically. Yep. Instead, they waited too long. I mean, then again, nine's not bad for a player expiring in six months. Right. So that we, we shall see. I uh, Let's see. Takumi Minamino on loan to Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. That's it's another one I, th- I think folks should... And then um, Josh Zerzi mm-hmm. to um, Parma. Mm-hmm. And um, Chris Richards, who's an American player, yep. playing at Bayern Munich, he's, he'll be at Hoffenheim the rest of the season. So yep. I like that. I think that'll get him, that'll get him both some point in time. Yep. Zerzi will be interesting because I know he's multinational, so he doesn't have to play for the Netherlands. So he's, if he doesn't get considered for this Euro this year, which he probably won't because he's no. probably on the outside looking in. Yep. 
even if they have to go to depth options, he's someone that could definitely jump. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something to keep an eye out on as yeah. well. Uh, John Joe Kenny loaned out to Celtic. Hmm. Neil Lennon's going to try to catch Gerard with just that. Yeah. Yep. He's going to need more than just that. He needs a miracle. Exactly. We know Messi. We know Messi couldn't catch Rangers at this point. Lionel Messi, we'll talk about him in a few moments. Um, <laughs> JC Tadubo to Nice on loan from Barca. I, like I, I thought he could have done better than that. I, dude, I agree. If, I felt like he, he sold himself like short. Everton, like Everton should have made the move for Tadebo. Because mm-hmm. now they're now you know how like Everton, like before, like now you put Everton in Leicester's territory with that point. Oh. You would have to think, right? I mean, assuming that yeah. front five is playing the way they're playing. And Allen's healthy. True, true. Without Allen Ruiz, nothing none of this is possible. But I mean, you can tr- if you can trust that front four to score goals, you're healthy Calvert Lewin, a healthy Richarlison, then you have Josh King kind of floating in there. Mm-hmm. They have plenty of weapons. Yep. They are loaded. And I think the last one I, I, I would look at, and it's only because of your reaction when you heard it, Ben Davies to Liverpool. That yeah. Initially, initially, you thought... Was Ben Davies? Oh, Tottenham's Ben Davies. Yeah, which I was like, damn, so much. you love so much, right up there with Eric Dyer. Well, I was like, damn, they just diss Smithcast so bad. If that was the case, <laughs> I don't think oh, so. I man. thought Smithcast was a good signing, all things considered, in the summer too. I agree. He was good for Olympiacos. Um, no, I think Ben Davies from Preston. I mean, I didn't. I watched a little bit of from him. Uh, a couple of YouTube, thanks to YouTube and everything that goes on. YouTube's the greatest thing in the earth. It's such a national treasure. So I'm telling you. He's good. He's a good player. I think he's like a mid table Premier League player though. Mm. Like the long term. I think that's his peak. So I think at this point they're looking at they got Davies for two million euros or two million pounds. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to sell him for ten to fifteen two or three years from now. So like a Burnley or a Newcastle or like a Southampton, a Fulham. Like, you know what I mean? Like he'll just go to one of those clubs. Yeah. I think he has a three year contract. So I mean Kabak is legit. I mean yeah. that, that dude I that's a that dude's a pain up. in the ass. I was yeah, that's a, that dude's a pain in the it. ass. Yeah, I think for United they just had their eyes on the other German. So there's so many good center backs sure. in Germany. You just get you get lost in the shuffle. Like now there's a rumor of Chelsea being linked to Nicolas Sula. What do they yeah, want? I like just that. the whole injury. They want every injured German player. That's it. Like that's what is it. the what is this? They just want the German army? Going back there. So right this here. is like so the British royal family was once German, and now Chelsea's like kind of going turning England German again. We're gonna make England German again. <laughs> Do it. I nah, love it. That's I love wrong. See it. That's so wrong in so many ways. A hundred <laughs> years ago, I'd be home. <laughs> you would. I'll ask this, Brian, before we move on from from the close of the transfer window. Now, mind you, there can still be moves made in, within countries. What was the most disappointing move, in your opinion, this transfer window? Well, outside of Milich, um, well, I'm disappointed that there weren't moves for other young players like that are just kind of lost in the shuffle. Delhi Alley, for example, the guys that are on the fringes of Europe. Dude. Uh, Delhi Alley to PSG, I think, would have been fun. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, why couldn't PSG just offer Idris a guy? Why couldn't Tottenham just sign guy and go, hey, now we have... Another midfielder. Now we can use Lo Celso as kind of a false nine. 
uh, until in the meantime, and just let Bergvine and Son just like get the balls in the wings. That's uh, what they could have done. Nice. They could have. Yeah, nice. yeah, I mean, you can make a nice little triangle attack out of that. But I mean, there's just ideas, right? So they had they had a lot more flexibility. Instead, like you just miss out. Like it's it's kind of crazy right now. Like, I mean, West Ham. I think the shortest move is West Ham selling Hilaire, even though they missed they lose out on 18 million. Yeah. In the long run, and I know that's a bad deal, but that I guess twenty-two million. He's one of the Dutch league. I mean, Ajax don't spend that kind of money on anybody, right? So, for West Ham, I think that's a good deal because they won. They went and turned around and bought Ben Rama permanently, right, from Brentford, so they can make the room and for Lingard, and that made the room fill. And keep in mind, Lingard and Ben Rama wage wise make as much as Howard, because I think West Ham are paying yeah. half of Lingard's wages, yeah. so. That kind of worked out, and I think West Ham are better for it. Uh, I think Ajax is better for it, despite the fact they didn't register Sebastian Haller for the Euro League. Yeah, stupid move. I guess it was a mistake. Someone's so it was one of those Someone's one of those dumb moves. Someone's in trouble. Yeah, I'll, very I'll bad. I'll say this: you you mentioned the Deli Alley move. The head scratcher for me was they were going to move Deli Alley only on condition. And, and Marseille should have gotten Giroud, dude, and Milic yes. should have went to a real club. <laughs> Listen, I just don't like Marseille. You don't, especially given no. that the fans burned down the training ground this week, which is a whole another story. But Tottenham was going to take back, rumor was, Christian Eriksen. That would have been bad. Brian, what? At that point, you were better off. Like, Mourinho could have brought Lingard on loan. Brian. That would have been better. What is... I would have subscribed to that. What's your uncle doing, Brian? He's, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's drinking the vino. That's what he's doing. Which for those people, a little Portuguese, it's uh, it's wine. I guess the vino is strong. The, wine. the vino is it's strong. Very, and it's true. Oh, it is strong. All right. Man, yeah, that's 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 wild. It okay. I would say not disappointing, but I brought it from me. I brought it from Brazil and left it left it at the Tottenham trading ground for him. That's what happened. Sounds about right. The yeah. move not disappointing, but it just made me laugh out loud. Literally, was Patrick Cutron from Wolves to Valencia on loan, Brian. <sighs> Like you have, you have, well, Bernal's hurt again, which I mean, whatever. That's that's not really a surprise. <laughs> he hasn't been healthy in three years. Right. Maxi Gomez is good, but the problem with Maxi Gomez is really just you can only use him really in two roles. So he's not really a versatile forward. He's kind of just either a target man or kind of just a stationary nine. He doesn't really do much else. Like he's kind of a, he's a really poor man's Luis Suarez in every which way. Discount like there's nothing like I mean I, he doesn't finish as well as Suarez. He doesn't pass as well as Suarez. I mean the only advantage is that he's not an asshole like Suarez, which sometimes like he needs to be. I'm not saying he needs to bite people or, you know, be an asshole, but, like, he needs to be a little bit of an asshole. Have some bite so. to you. No pun intended. <laughs> not quite that, though. But, yeah, I just think, like, now, Gomez compared to Darwin Nunez. Now, that's a Uruguayan striker. That's a different story. And Fika's very own Darwin Nunez. But, um, Petrone, I, th- I, I just don't know. Like, how many leagues is this guy going to go into before we realize that he's not that good? It's Valencia, so... I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, a Schalke brought in the, like the Arsenal reject squad, but at least yeah. Kolasinac and Mustafi are familiar with the Bundesliga. Right. And to be honest, like Schalke have a lot of young players that have been kind of getting used to playing with one another. So maybe some veterans on that team might actually be a good idea. So that's, that's why I'm not shitting on Schalke. Yeah. Give also, I mean, Kabak was done there. 
When Kabak was done there, they got rid of him. They moved on from him. Whatever. All right. No harm, no foul. They know they're going to get a deal for McKinney. So once the summer comes around, they could try to buy other players. Like there's already there's actually a player today. Leipzig played Bosham, and uh, one of the center backs for Bosham is 18 year old German center back, also Senegalese as well. Uh, Armel Belakasha, six uh, foot two. Uh, yes, you've mentioned that name on this program before. Yeah, he's someone. If uh, anyone plays football manager, he's a wonder kid. Pick him up. Cheap release clause too. So he and he's a really interesting prospect. He's kind of like Ibrahim Kanate, which I think he's someone I would like to see Leipzig buy as a replacement for Makano. But if Schalke manages to to avoid relegation. Which, with the way the German format is, as long as they can either get in the playoff or get above that, I think they're fine. They should sign him as a replacement for Kaba. And that signing will basically relish around everything else. Then they'll have to find a midfielder. Mm. That's tougher in Germany because a lot of the Bundesliga two center backs are on teams that are on the bottom, on the top half of the table. And those teams usually don't sell in Germany, unless it's the bigger clubs. So that becomes an issue. Schalke may have to go foreign. They've had better luck with that, but then they couldn't get, they couldn't even draw Ozil to even meet with him, which that's, that'd be disappointing. Because right. Fanabache is only paying 75000 a week. Really? Otherwise, for him. That's, that's it. That's the contract. Damn. Schalke could have paid that. Easily. I mean, even Peter Lim could have paid that. Jeez. Well, so. well, Brian, I want to switch gears and head back. You, when I brought up the John Joe Kenny loan to Celtic, you said not even Messi could upset Celtic catch Rangers at this point. Speaking of Messi, past weekend, Spanish newspaper releases on the front page details of Lionel Messi's four-year contract that he signed. Brian, just just buy the numbers. Messi's okay. Messi's the Jeff Messi's the Jeff Bezos of professional athletes. That's exactly what it is. That's the biggest is, hustle in the world. That is exactly. And now Ronald Koeman saying he's not confident that he's going to stay there. Is Koeman just trying to ask to get fired? Koeman, Koeman, we, I mean, we Koeman should just call the Dutch national team and be like, bro, just offer me the job so I can get out of here. I'm done. Did this, I mean, like, this notice the Koeman. Memphis Depay rumors have died. Like, there have been no Memphis Depay rumors for two weeks. No, we haven't heard a peep about it. Not Listen, if Fabrizio Romano doesn't talk about it, it's not real. And I haven't heard... Not even Ryan Alden. Nothing. 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 Not a, not a word. Which tells me Ryan Alden's going to end up staying in the Premier League, mm-hmm. first of all. Yep. Which is even worse for Liverpool. So... We'll worry about that in six months. El Mundo newspaper, Sunday morning. On the front page, leaks the details of Messi's, and I quote, we're not going to talk euros, let's talk straight cash dollars, $670 million contract. Four-year contract that Messi signed in 2017. Brian. Now for, yeah, for for some context. That's more than the GDP of, like, countries. Countries, Brian. If Messi can buy, if he can buy the national debt of like the bottom hundred countries in the world, easily, and they would be a okay. When I saw the contract, I immediately looked at my three-month-old son and said, "I don't know what we have to do, but you're going to put a ball at your feet right now, okay? You're (laughs) 
673. So if all incentives were hit, the $673 million contract. Now, some of the incentives to note. Brian, this oh, this gets me. Well, it was like a it was twenty five million to win the Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. This was the one that got me, Brian. Hundred and seventeen million dollar sign on bonus for the initial renewal, and then another loyalty bonus of eighty million dollars, Brian. Two hundred million dollars. Just for loyalty, they a third of the contract incentives are based on loyalty. Brian, I don't get it. I, I mean, this kind of sums up Barcelona's financial like crisis. Oh, talk about it, Brian, because you have you have that contract on your neck, uh, over half a billion dollar. Co- now, I mean, just between that Griezmann, PK, and Al and Jordi Alba and alone, Mendele, that's probably about sixty five percent of the problem. Right. And the money they threw it through through a Dembele. We remember last last summer we well, were talking about on him are two years up. So at this point right. you ride them out and you're fine. But I right. mean those four in particular they should have been moving on from. Or at least Messi you could keep around, but the other three you should be moving on from. Move on from. And of course they overpaid them. Sorry. Right. We talked That's about why they're on the turn. That Barcelona had to make, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of almost a hundred million dollars in player sales just for their books not to be in the red. Now, of course, they didn't do it. And I, I remember us looking, I think looking at the numbers, someone had leaked some some sort of numbers, that Barcelona was close to a uh, uh, half a billion dollars or yeah, over half a billion dollars in debt, close to $1 billion in debt. That's what it was, like $700 million in debt. Now we see why. Yeah, I mean, the Griezmann sale... It goes down as the dumbest move that Barca ever did. I mean, Coutinho aside, because at least with Coutinho, there was a logical reason why they made that deal. Right. Dembele, there was a logical reason why they made that deal. Right. It just didn't work out. With Griezmann, that was completely unnecessary. I did. Like, like a completely unnecessary. Like Kai Havertz so, to Chelsea. <clears throat> literally the same thing. Because you know what? You're looking at guys that were fine the way they were, playing in the roles they were in. Griezmann should have went to PSG, and now both Mario Cardi and Griezmann are both like Facts. in the wrong spot. Yes. So, my opinion, Barca should go in a different direction, like completely. Barca, we've said this before. Barca needs to should have focused on youth. They they should have hired should have hired Pochettino, and allowed Pochettino to get Pedri, Fati. Well, Fati's hurt right now, but Pedri, Fati, and Trincao should be literally playing as many minutes as possible with Messi. Those three and Messi need to be the front four. Man. For the time being. That, and that's, that's it. That would set Barcelona up for the future. And even Usman Dembele can get some playing time. Yep. Fine. Because, I mean, even Tomas Lemire is having a decent year for Atletico Madrid in a new role. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, again, you got to be able to use the assets you got. Yep. I just think Coleman wasn't the guy to do that. Like, Not if you're going to hire somebody, I mean, Poch... At Barcelona would have been the best hire. I agree. Here's something. Like, I mean, know. especially with what he did with a limited Tottenham squad compared to some that of these part. other super clubs, like Tottenham's really limited. So that part. Here's something to note with the Messi leak 
the Messi contract leak. There is some fallout, of course, from it. I mean, you're, they're not gonna someone's not gonna leak that you that you signed a contract for two thirds of a billion dollars and not have any sort yeah, of yeah. There's fallout. a big lawsuit with that too. Big lawsuit and. The lawsuit is linked yeah, to It's kind of hard to sue a journalistic because remember what happened with ESPN. Now, I'm not oh, yeah. going to an American. Actually, one American football reference and Jason Pierre Paul. Go for it. Because they were like, he's a HIPAA. But the thing is, like, media sources, unfortunately, and this goes to the thing with TMZ too. Unfortunately, like, they get the news from somebody else and they don't have to really, because of the code, they don't really have to release their sources, which is the right, right thing to do, by the way. Right. As someone that has to work, has had work in that field, there's a reason for that. You have to be like it's like witness protection. Like you can't just give out identities. You know what I mean? Plus, we don't snitch. We don't snitch. Snitches you know, journalists, journalists believe in stitches get stitches. You know what That's I mean? True. That's true. I'm sure. Th- there was only... look at the way Levitard got treated when uh, he oh, snitched on himself wow. for for that. Uh, yeah. And that's probably the, and that ultimately, and obviously for a lot of Levitard fans out there, yeah, but that might have been the beginning of the end for ESPN too. So a lot of these media guys have to be careful because their networks are why they have, why they are where they are. Right. Four so. copies of Messi's contract. There's only four copies. So now. The, and Bartomeu is probably the leak too. Yeah. So Messi has one. Because that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. had one. And the law firm used by Messi, Quatres Casas, had one. Everyone's looking at Bartomeu. I'm looking at him too. He had to. Who's to say it couldn't have been someone who was close with Bartomeu and somehow was able to get a copy for himself? It could have been someone on that staff. It had to have been someone on that staff. Someone directly with Bartomeu. Yep. Especially given given the timing of it and giving. Given, yeah, given the timing of it and the way that Bartomeu left and everything that's swirling around Barcelona right now, because Barcelona has, has and is continuing to be a crap show, yeah, it had to have been someone with access to him, to, to, to the now departed president. So, folks, moral of the story, if you got kids, put them in the beautiful game. Hopefully they end up like Messi and rake you in a lot of cash. And speaking of kids. Speaking of kids, um, let's. I think we're going to have to round home on this. Yeah, we can round home on this mm-hmm. one, Brian. Especially speaking of home. Yeah, speaking of home, speaking of the good old US of A, United States played their first exhibition match in a while, the men's team, against Trinidad and Tobago this past Sunday. They uh, won 7-0. I watched the first probably 30 minutes of the match. The U.S. scored inside of five minutes. Now, this match was essentially pretty much the U23s. Couple, couple, I think a couple guys who, of course, older than that. Because this match... And maybe from senior players, yeah. yeah. A couple senior players. But this match was essentially a tryout for the Olympic team. Brian, did you get a chance to watch this match? And I, Whether you did or you didn't, I'm sure you saw highlights. Uh what impressed you about this team that the U.S. put forward? I mean, it just seemed like everybody was cohesively playing. I know Trinidad's not necessarily the kind of competition that the United States need to measure themselves up against in the long term. But I think for the for these young guys that haven't really played maybe a competitive international match together in maybe 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 months, uh, realistically, depending on what's going on with some of the clubs these dudes play for overseas, 
that's that's an exciting thing to see. And the fact is, there's a lot of domestic players. That's the, that's the best part. I mean, I'm on some of these YouTube channels okay. going over some of the teams that have been debuting. A lot of like domestic born players, and I really like that. Um, I also like the fact there are like some of these dual national guys that are seriously considered in the United States. Yeah. Now I'm not saying we have to go out and get Kick Pieri or you know Beg Musa to come, although we should be. Um, yes, please do. <laughs> so I mean. Or like, you know, a Xerxes, for example, because he's like Dutch, American, and German. So like, you know, maybe we should try to get him too. So I mean, like, we don't have to beg all these European guys to come over. But at the same time, like, you know, we have guys here like Brian Reynolds and, you know, like, I mean, Pulisic, Reyna, Tyler Adams, Karen Clark signing over with Leipzig for 2023. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent in America right now. And it's moving over. There's like 57 European players. Actually, it's 57 European uh, in the European leagues from America. There so it that's is. a solid statistic for the United States. There it is. Looking at and that, Alexi Lalas saying that the MLS talent can beat him. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, Alexi Lalas. Uh, yeah, he did way too much. We know what he's doing. He's getting the check. That's wow. it. That's it. He's getting the check. Uh, Rob Parker invented the embellishment. So, dude, Rob Parker. I'm not even going to go off on that tangent. About what he said this week, Matt Stafford and Jameis Winston. Anyhow, uh, three U.S. players had a brace in that match: Jonathan Lewis, Jesus Ferreira, Paul Ariola. Jesus Ferreira uh, showed out in that game. He had uh, he had a brace and three assists. Yes, you saw that, folks. Two goals and three assists. He was all over the pitch. Uh, watching this match, I think my biggest takeaway was, as I have said on this program and will continue to say, the future of American soccer is bright. I still do think there are some overhauls that need to be made in the overall system, but what the U.S. has right now is great potential for the future. I'm looking forward to World Cup 2022 and the team that they'll be able to put on the pitch if the Olympics, in fact, does happen this year in 2021. By the looks of this squad, they have a team that can definitely compete for the gold medal. And you take some of these players and throw them in the mix. You throw them in a camp with really what the U.S. has on the on the senior squad, where pretty much every player plays in Europe. And you have a combination for, I think, a good cohesion, both between players who are pretty much strictly domestic here and players who are playing overseas in Europe. And these players, I mean, even going through the 11, like I can yeah. go through the 11 really quick here, like yep. Stefan, then you have Das, you have yep. Richards, you yep. have Brooks, you yep. have um, who's that right back? I know, like Yedlin's a backup, so Yedlin being a backup is Dela wonderful Fuente. at this point. Telefuente's there as well. So, I mean, you have you have options in the midfield with Adams, McKinney, Reyna, like, I mean, Musa, hopefully, yeah. Even some of these other MLS guys are coming along nicely. Mm-hmm. Like Emerson Hinman is still somewhere oh, in the fold, I'm yeah. sure. So I mean, you got to be able to. And you got to be able to mix in. What's that? Aronson as well, Brendan Aronson. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Pulisic in the forward line. Yeah. If he does develop as a nine at Chelsea, like a false nine, if that's what Tuchel's role is for him, then yeah. that kind of changes Team USA yeah. shape a little bit. Yeah, changes it from that. If they three. turn off the same thing. Yeah. A four two three one with Pulisic as a ten. There you go. That might be his long term, but I always thought Reyna in that role. So. I like Reyna in that role, but Pulisic can play it, and I think it gives him the 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 necessary freedom. He doesn't ask. Well, didn't have that freedom under Lampard. Lampard 
Or oh, Steven Gerrard can coach Team USA and run his two number 10s. Then we won't have to worry about it. There you go. Um, Josh Sargent up front as well. I like him. Yeah, that that this U.S. men's national team has a hopeful and bright future. And then Josie Altador as a bench option? Josie Altador. Who's going to want to mark him late in games? That That's a big body. That Yes, especially after you've been like running. Premier League fans, I think Andy Carroll. Yeah. Andy yeah. Carroll, but Josie can move a little bit better. Yes. Just throw Josie on in the last – throw Josie on. I said Josie. Throw Josie on in the last <laughs> 15 to 20 minutes. 15 minutes, yeah. And let him do some damage. Yeah, this, this men, U.S. men's national team, future looks bright. Don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on them. And watching this team that the U.S. put, these U23s. Oh, and let's not forget Jordan Morris as well. Um, watching this team that the U.S. put on the pitch. Uh, I Oh, I forgot about Tim Weah as well. Uh, watching this team that the U.S. Mm-hmm. put on the pitch. With these U23s, what we're going to see, I think, over the next three years at least, will be something special. With that being said, folks, concludes for us another episode of Reformed Hooligans Podcast. Appreciate you all for tuning in. If, 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 big if, not big if, we we would hope that you would uh, have any questions suggestions or hey you just want to say what's up okay because we always love a good holler we always love some good interaction with our fans and familia Uh, if you would like to give us a holler or just say what's up y'all go ahead tune right in and you can shoot us an email to reformedhooligans85 at gmail.com Yes, again, that's reformedhooligans85 at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Osahan, here. Well, today, I'm Mikel Antonio with my guy, Brian, playing the role of Jesse Lingard. We'll catch you on the next one. And we're out.